You're listening to the Hello Awesome Podcast, and this is episode 105. Welcome back, friends. I hope you enjoyed your weekend and are ready for the last episode of season five. I know. Can you believe it? It's already coming to an end, but we've had so many powerful discussions this season. I hope you have been blessed by the podcast, too. I'll be traveling quite a bit this summer, so there won't be any new podcast episodes for a while, but I might throw in a bonus one here and there, so if I have the time, look out for that. Definitely will update you on when Living in the Lion's Den, my new book, will be available for pre-order. I'm hoping that will be at the beginning of June. I can do a mini episode when that's ready and let you guys know. For now, enjoy the episodes again. You can also go to the website, helloawesome.live, L-I-V-E, to grab some new merch. I just launched Hello Awesome brand tees with our logo on them and some cute designs centered around the podcast, which if you love the podcast, go grab yourself a Hello Awesome podcast shirt. That'd be really, really cool. It will financially help keep everything going this summer. You can also go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash hello awesome and become a hello circle member for only $20 a month. You will gain access to a huge vault of content past and future. In fact, I just uploaded the ebook version of my new book, Living in the Lion's Den for all the members to download and read instantly on their devices. So it's super, super cool. I also have ebooks for my other books available, a mini podcast series called The Real 15, phone wallpapers, and more. When you become a member, you will also get a special invite to a secret Instagram group that helps me make decisions for Hello Awesome in real time. In fact, they help me pick the cover design for my new book that hasn't even been shared publicly yet. So it's really an awesome time together. Be part of my inner circle this summer, the Hello Circle. Again, go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Hello Awesome. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, my friend, this is the last official episode of season five, and I am excited to share my interview with the incredibly talented Abigail Hayworth. We speak about the call of God, how the IBC Victory album impacted us in 2020, and Abigail shares what God has taught her about anointing. If you end up loving this episode, which I'm sure you will, take a screenshot of it and tag me and Abigail on Instagram. She gives her a handle toward the end of the episode, so listen for that. Give her a follow and show her some love. Abigail has since graduated from Indiana Bible College since we recorded this episode. So congrats to all of you graduates out there who have completed your senior year of high school or college. You guys did it, and I'm so proud of you. Listen to this episode and be inspired as you move into a new season of life and be reminded that prayer and hard work go hand in hand. Okay, guys, here we go. This is episode number 105 that I am calling Real Anointing with Abigail Hayworth. Hey guys, I'm JC. Are you ready for real conversations about faith, business, and life? Me too. This is the Hello Awesome podcast where I bring forth topics and truthful insights that will encourage you to make intentional choices and pursue God with your whole heart. Are you ready to say hello to the awesome blessings that God has for you? All right, let's do this.
Hey guys, this is JC here. Welcome back to the Hello Awesome podcast. I am so excited to bring you another interview. Today I have Abigail. I am incredibly honored to have her on the podcast. Such a huge fan. I was just telling her how much I was fangirling over her. But Abigail, thank you so much for being here. Can you please take a minute to share with us who you are, what you do, and where people might know you from? Well, I am just so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, This is a really cool experience for me. Um, Like you said, my name is Abigail Hayworth. I am from Ocala, Florida, which is in North Central Florida, like right at the heart of um, Florida, small city. Grew up there the first 18 years of my life. And then at 18 years old, I moved to Indianapolis, Indiana to attend Indiana Bible College. And uh, I've been here for the past four years. I'm 21 now. And um, I'm really involved here. I am. This is probably where most people would know me from is my involvement at IBC. Uh, so at IBC, I am a worship studies major. So I plan on graduating this May, Lord willing, <laughs> with a worship studies major, which is basically a music degree with a minor in biblical studies. So I'm getting all of my um, music classes like theory and sightseeing, ear training, all kinds of leading music ministry courses. And then I'm getting my biblical studies classes, um, classes with theology or on specific books of the Bible. It could be um, anything from like Christian worldview to soteriology, which is the study of salvation. So I'm getting all those core classes as well. Um, And then also at IBC, I'm involved in quite a few different music um, groups. I'm a part of IBC Choir which is about a 200 member choir. Um, That is anybody at the school can join it. You just have to buy the uniform. And then um, I'm in IBC Corral, which is a 50 member group. This is through audition only. So you have to try out at the beginning of the school year, Um, try out whether you wanna sing or play an instrument, you try out. And then um, out out of the around 150 people that try out our Dean of Worship Studies, Dr. Lyndall Anderson will pick 50. And then I'm also a part of Indiana Bible College Praise, which is um, a group of about 15. Um, We are, that's also through audition only. It's the premier group um, under the direction of um, Brother Lyndall Anderson. And um, we help a lot with the recording at IBC every year. We do a live recording um, and it's a whole album of gospel and Christian music. Um, And then we also travel a lot throughout, especially the Midwest. Um, is where we travel a lot, but I've been as far as New York and California. I even have done missions trips, music missions trips to Brazil and Australia. So um, I feel like most people would probably know me from my involvement at IBC. Um, I've been on the past four albums. I've got to be a part of the past four projects that we've done. Um, The last one just being two weeks ago, we just recorded our latest album. So that's probably where most people know me from is my involvement at IBC. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I am sure most people have heard your voice at some point. And I'm just <laughs> really, I mean, honestly, super proud of you. That is like a <laughs> lot to be involved in. And um, I don't even know you personally, but, um, you know, you just explaining all the different things that you kind of are involved in and you're balancing, you know, that is a really um, just awesome thing to do. And I'm just so excited for what God is going to do through those um, just different things that you've been involved in and the opportunities that are to come. Yes, I'm so excited too. It's been, it's been crazy going from living in a small town in Florida 
to moving here. And like Mm -hmm. every weekend we're out traveling, whether it be, you know, it can be as close as 30 minutes away to, like I said, New York. And it's, it's crazy. The places that I've got to go and travel, it's, it truly is unbelievable. Like I would have never thought I'd be doing all the things that I do and getting all the experiences that I have, but it has been so fun and I love it so much. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I was talking to you before we started recording and I asked you on the podcast, not only because we are huge fans and supporters of yours, where your face is on our TV like every week, (laughs) um, but because I know that everybody has a story to tell. And I think think it's really important for us to know where people come from and just to hear from the source. I think we have this idea of who people are. Um, I think social media has given us this like illusion of people that they're not like really real. You are a real person with real feelings who have gone through (laughs) real things. And so I would love to know if you could walk us through how your church life looked as a little girl or growing up and how you actually got started singing. Okay. Um, Well, I have been in church my whole life. um, And that's my biggest testimony is that God has kept me for the past 21 years because I've been in church my whole life. Um, and I felt like even as a little kid, I was always like physically at our church. Um, my parents are not pastors or anything like that, but my dad, when I was a young child became our children's director, he was over the children's ministry. So we were always there for that, whether he was like prepping for Sunday school or a lesson or some event. And then my mom was always heavily involved in music because um, she was a graduate of Gateway College of Evangelism with a music degree. So she came to our church and was really involved in our music. And then when I turned about, I was probably 15 or 16, she became the um, music director at our church. So I feel like I was always at church. I mean, Tuesday night prayer, Wednesday night Bible study, Friday was some kind of youth event or or some kind of activity. Saturday was prepping for Sunday. And then Sunday we had Sunday morning church and Sunday night church. So I just felt like I was always, always, always at church. Um, how I started singing, honestly, if you would have talked to even like a 13 year old Abigail, like me when I was 13 years old, I would have never had singing or music like in my in my, you know, future, I would have never seen it ever. Um, my mom, she kind of recognized, well, I'm not going to say kind of, she recognized my ability way before I did. Um, she kind of pushed me out there, whether it be in, in church, like in our Christmas musicals, um, she had me take piano lessons and I even taken like xylophone lessons. Um, she got me involved in choirs at schools. Um, she just really got me involved in even our local theater by being in kids musicals at our local theater. Um, she kind of saw something in me way before I did. And she really helped pull that out of me. I, and I think because, well, when I was 12 years old, um, I had sang maybe a few times at church in our kids choir, in our Christmas musicals. Um, but very, very little. I remember the first time I ever sang at church, I was eight years old and it was like a, uh, Sunday school takeover service or something like that, like a kid's takeover mm-hmm. service. And I sang Shackles by Mary Mary. I was eight years old. And that was the first time I'd ever sang by myself, like a whole song in front of my church. And there's a video somewhere of it out there. <laughs> and uh, um, I, I never really wanted it for myself, though. Like I never really pushed myself. Um, my mom, like I said, she always um, 
kind of pushed me forward and got me involved in that. And when I was 12 years old, um, that's the age at my home church where if you wanted to be involved in the adult choir or praise team, that was the age that kind of you could come in. And so my mom told me, she said, you're going to be on the praise team and you're going to be in the adult choir. And I'm not kidding you. I cried like a little baby because I did not want to do it. And I don't, I don't think it was like a stage fright thing. I don't think it was like, I was scared to be in front of people. I had been in front of people my whole life. Mm -hmm. I honestly, I could not pinpoint my reasoning for it. I don't know if it was just like a preteen rebellion thing. And I didn't want to do what my mom told me to do. I really don't know, but Um, I remember I cried and I had my little pity party, but from that point forward, I, I mean, I was there every week singing on the praise team or in the choir and it definitely wasn't like an overnight thing that I started to like to sing, um, that I liked being involved in music, but that's probably really where it began for me was when I was 12 years old. Okay. I love so many things about this story. First of all, thank you for sharing that because I think it is super important for us to remember that not everything is like natural. Yeah. I think sometimes we feel like, yes, I do think God has a calling on our life, but sometimes people have to bring it out of us. Yes. That is so true. And if we don't feel like we know that's totally okay. Like (laughs) we're not supposed to know every little detail. And I think, I know there are definitely a lot of listeners out there who might feel like, the odd one out like yeah they're they're not sure they don't have like they don't have like a a goal in mind right and you were young obviously but you were still growing and learning and I don't think it matters what age we are I think we all like that at some point but yeah I think that is such a just a great takeaway from your story just one of the things is that It's not like you knew right away, like as soon as the microphone hit your hand, it was like right. angels were singing. It's going to be amazing. Like they didn't, no. nothing happened like that. <laughs> no, no, I, yeah, it was a really gradual thing for me. If you would have met, like, like I was saying, 12 year old, 13 year old Abigail, mm-hmm. I would have told you that I was going to be a children's evangelist. I love children's ministry and music ministry was not even like in my frame, in, in, in my mind at all. Yeah. So it was, it was definitely a gradual thing for sure. Yeah. I love that. So, you know, since you've been in church your whole life, um, I've heard this from different people. I have not, I, I, uh, became saved a little bit later in life. Um, mm-hmm. thank the Lord, but, um, my husband was brought up in church and there is just something that I felt that some people can't remember, the first time they ever felt the presence of God, it always felt like it was always there. And I was just curious if you remember the first time you felt the presence of God. Um, I, I don't know if this is the first time, but it's definitely one of the earliest, Mm -hmm. like you said, you know, if you grow up in this and, you know, you've been on the pew since you were in a, you know, your diapers, it's, it's, it seems like it all kinds of runs together. But I, I remember probably one of the first times I ever felt the presence of God, I had to be, it was at least at the earliest seven or eight, I was around that age. And every Sunday night, my dad made me and my siblings sit on the front row at church every Sunday night, I remember. And I don't, I, I don't remember what the person, what was preached or the worship set or anything, but I do remember the altar call. 
And I could go back to that specific spot in the altar. It was on the, on the right side of the altar. It was against the wall in a little corner. And, um, I, I even remember what I was wearing. I was wearing a red dress, a little red dress with silver, little, you know, the little tiny heels that I wore. And I remember I didn't get the gift of the Holy ghost, but I was very, very close. And I remember, I remember one lady praying over me and she so is a faithful member of our church today. And I have memories of, of my hands and my face. And I was so overwhelmed by what I was feeling. And I knew for myself at eight years old that I was, I was like, this is real. Like, yeah. you know, what we've been talking about in Sunday school, this is a real thing. And, and the presence of God, which, you know, that was real. That's when it became real for me. And I remember that night going up to my dad and saying, I want to be baptized um, because I knew that's what I needed to do. And so he said, all right, go tell, go tell pastor. And I, I went up to my pastor and I said, pastor, I want to be baptized. He's like, all right, what about this Sunday, next Sunday? And I was like, yes, that's when I want to be baptized. And so that, that's the earliest memory for me of um, feeling the presence of God. And it was shortly after that, that I received the gift of the Holy ghost. Yeah, that's incredible. And I love that because it's just such a personal remembrance for you. Yes. And I'm thinking of you were like seven or eight and that's the age of my oldest. And um, before COVID hit last year, we had one last children's conference. And I remember he is very, very shy around other people. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember him lifting up his hands and being so touched. He was so close. And that was the first time I ever saw him being responsive, you know, responding. Yeah. Yeah. And just being so overwhelmed by the presence of God. And I love that. It's just such a gift. Yeah. And it's just incredible that we get to even enter into his presence. Yes. <laughs> no, I know we, we were just talking about you not being sure if you even wanted to be involved in music ministry, mm-hmm. um, you being part of the choir. Did you ever have a moment where you knew that this is what the Lord wanted you to do? Honestly, I, I would have to say no, but, um, we actually talked about this a lot recently because I'm a a senior music major. And so we've been talking about that a lot, what it means for our future and whatnot. And Mm -hmm. I, um, I'm taken back though, to a lot of specific moments where, um, people prayed for me, like prayed over me. And I look back, like one of them being, I was 10 years old. I was at our Florida kids camp and I remember the lady, I was just in the altar. I wasn't praying for anything specific. And, um, the lady that was leading worship the whole week came and prayed over me and just, you know, was like, you have a calling on your life. Um, you found favor in God's eyes. And I mean, I'm, I was 10 years old and I still remember that to this day. Mm. Or like when I, I was right before I came to IBC, maybe about a year before I came to IBC, um, there was a, a lady in my life who, who sings and leads worship a lot at our district events um, in Florida, very talented um, music director, worship leader, singer. Um, and she, I, I would say that I looked up to her a lot. I still do. She's an incredible lady, um, very anointed worship leader. And it wasn't, in, it wasn't in an altar call or anything. It was just, she came up to me on the last day of our camp, it was at Florida kids, Florida youth camp. And she told me, um, 
she just came up to me and she was like, there's, it's something very special and specific that you have. It's, it's different. And she just talked to me a lot about, um, what she felt. And she just said, like, there's something um, specific that God wants to do and that you're special. And, and for me, like that meant a lot coming from her yeah. of what she meant in my life. And just moments like that, when people have prayed over me and confirmed things, like whether it been my youth pastor or my pastor or people like that in my life that I've looked up to, um, those have been times that I felt like there was a lot, there was affirmation for me. Um, but it definitely wasn't like a, like you said, the angels came down from heaven and I heard the audible voice of God tell me, um, because I mean, for a long time, I, I didn't even want to do it, but it was yeah. definitely something that developed over time. And if I hadn't been put in the position to be in that praise team or be in the adult choir, God wouldn't have been able to work in me like he did. And I, I wouldn't have developed this passion and love for it. My talents and abilities wouldn't have been able to grow, um, so it was a really gradual thing that took a lot of God working on me, moving on me, a lot of um, growing and working. And I mean, it, it was about, you know, six, seven years before I even came to IBC. And it was just years of just growth and change and God molding me and shaping me and um, preparing me for, for music ministry for a lifetime of music ministry. Yeah. Wow. So the other thing I was just thinking about while you were talking is we can be called for, I think, a main thing, but yes. I do think that the Lord will also allow us to have our hands in other ministries as well. Like you yes. said, you love children and you thought yes. you would be working with children. That could still happen. You know, you could still be right, right. working in a Sunday school in a couple of years, but also lead worship, yeah. you know, and so yeah. somebody could be an usher, but also a musician. It's yes. like yeah. we have to allow God to work in us. And I think he has a specific plan for us, of course, and maybe one ability might be greater than the other, but mm -hmm. I do think that he allows us to kind of serve wherever we're needed. Right. And, um, and yeah, I think that's just so amazing that you had those women to just speak into your life and to affirm you and um, let that be a lesson to us older ladies, <laughs> uh, yes. those of us who are older, quote unquote, um, <laughs> that if we feel led to, to just lift up and edify a younger person to do it, like, yeah. even if you're 18 or 20 and you see yeah. like a 13 year old, they might be struggling. Um, and if you feel like you see something and you're impressed in the spirit, I mean, it couldn't hurt to go over there and tell them. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So there are a lot of people, obviously, uh, myself included, who really recognize the anointing that you have when you sing, when you worship. And I really wanted to talk to you about that. I wanted to talk to you about anointing because um, I think it's really just a subject that we kind of idolize sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to know what has God taught you about being anointed? That's a great question. And I feel that in my past four years at IBC, I've learned so much more than I could have ever imagined. Uh, my big thing, and I've talked, I talked to you a little bit about this before the podcast as well, um, is that the anointing is God's anointing is not limited to uh, someone with a particular pedigree or a particular last name or even amount of ability or talent or 
or with a rich heritage. I mean, I'm, I'm the perfect example. I think about my parents. I mean, my dad's first generation. Um, my parents aren't, aren't, we aren't pastors. I don't have some rich apostolic heritage. I, music did not come easy for me. It was, it took a lot of work. It took years of practice and practice and practice. And, and, but yet God has allowed me to be here and to be a part of this ministry and do all the things that I do. And, and that's one of the biggest things that he's just showed me is that it, it really doesn't matter about your, your last name. You know, like that's, that's, that's the story of the Bible is just, I mean, you think of people like Mary and Joseph or even, even old Testament, like Rahab, and she was a harlot for goodness sakes, but yet she's in the, in the bloodline of, of Jesus Christ and Mary and Joseph were, were just plain old people, but yet they were the, the parents they got to bring in the man, Christ Jesus. And it, it's just, God has shown me of these past four years before IBC. I mean, you could have said Abigail Hayworth and to like IBC people that are invested in IBC, the IBC music, that wouldn't mean anything, but God has opened so many doors and allowed me to walk into so many different places and minister in so many ways. And it, it just doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, especially, you know, where you come from. If, if you think you have a terrible past or, or whatever you've gone through, God can use you. And, and that's one of the most important things I've learned that God's taught me about anointing is that it's, it's not limited because of who you are, or you can or cannot have it because of who you are, or who you've been, but God will use anybody that's faithful, that's willing, that's surrendered and submitted. Um, and I believe that God always honors and blesses faithfulness. Yeah, that's so good. That's really, really good. It's so true too, because, you know, you just look at all the different stories that, that people have. Like I said, everybody has a story and not everybody's story is going to be the same. And yeah. we're not cookie cutter. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and like your testimony is different than mine. You got kept. Yours is yeah. beautiful. And yes. there's a part of me that has always wished that was my testimony. I wish I didn't have memories attached to things, mm. um, which is something that I tell the younger generation all the time. Yeah is don't wish for like a tragic testimony because Ooh. memories are attached to that. Um, even though your path changes, your memories aren't erased. Yeah. But God yeah. uses those to project yes. his word and think about the different things that people have affirmed me with. Um, I probably relate to a lot like Rahab or somebody else in the Bible. I mean, I wasn't like her before, but um you know, just somebody who yeah. really had a grungy, just life and all right. of a sudden got placed in the bloodline, you know, yeah. that's incredible. And I do think that God doesn't reserve his, like you said, he doesn't reserve his special anointing for like right. people. It's not like right. he's keeping it away from all of these peasants, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. You're right. Um, he's used so many different people and it's really all about the commitment that you have to him, your devotion yes. to him. What yes. are you willing, what are you willing to, uh, to do, um, to just get closer to him and, and really just focus on your relationship and not like yeah. what you can get out of your relationship. Right, right, right. Absolutely. So is it fair to say that us maybe Pentecostal folk <laughs> or church folk, <laughs> Yes. Do you think that we tend to like seek after that anointing with like too much eagerness? 
Like, is that even a thing? Um, I mean, like you just said, I, I would, I would say, yeah, to, to a certain degree, when you're talking about, you know, Pentecostal or church folk, it's something that's so like highly prized and which it should be because I for sure wouldn't want anybody ministering to me or leading worship or preaching without the anointing, without being under the spirit, for sure. We need it. We have to have it in church. That's what that's what makes Pentecostal church Pentecostal church is that we have the anointing. We have the spirit of God in our services. However, like you said, if you buy, if you try to put anointing before a relationship with God, you've missed the whole, the whole point. I mean, your relationship with God has to come first. There won't be any anointing unless there is a relationship. And also something that I feel like gets bypassed a lot when it comes with talking about the anointing and people really just wanting that anointing and placing it so high is simply just the fruit of the spirit. I feel like it gets bypassed so much in in church. And we just did my home church during quarantine. We did a whole lesson throughout the summer on, on the fruit of the spirit. And it's not, I just like, for example, just to illustrate, let's say you were at the store and you were at a checkout line, you're at the cash, cash register. And, um, the lady or whoever, the worker that's standing behind that register is not going to say, oh, I felt the anointing of God on them. They probably don't even know what that is. But what they're right. going to, what, but if you, if you truly are full of the spirit, um, they're going to say, wow, there's something different about the person because they had, they had just such a peace um, yeah. with how they talked. And when they were here and I could just feel the love and the joy and kindness and, and meekness and gentleness, that's how they're going to that's how they're going to tell is by the fruit that you bear. And I mean, the word of God says that they go, they're going to know that you're God's Jesus disciples because you love one to another. And that's how you're going to identify people of God is the people filled with his spirit is because of the fruit that they bear. And I feel like that gets so just overlooked in the church sometimes um, how important it is, not just with one another and and people in the church and loving one another, but loving people outside of the church. And that's how they're going to recognize that we're different, that we can walk and live in peace in the middle of a pandemic, for goodness sake, and, and live outside of the hatred and and the fear and the anxiety that's just crippling this world. Um, And I believe that we do need, we do need the anointing. We have to have it. I don't want church without it. I don't want anything without the, without the anointing or outside Mm -hmm. of the anointing. But also it's very important as believers, as Holy Ghost filled believers, that we have that evidence that we bear the fruit of the spirit. And that's how the world's going to know that we are his disciples. So good. So good. And so true. And I feel like if we're seeking after our first and foremost, obviously that relationship with God and we're seeking Mm -hmm. after his face and we are doing our best to um, try and have those fruits of the spirit, I feel like the anointing will come. Yes. Um, And there are, I think, a, a couple of different ways that anointing can come. I've heard a lot of preachers talk about, you know, the crushing, mm-hmm. you know, that brings anointing. Yes. But I, I don't think everybody has to have a tragedy to have an anointing. Mm-hmm. Um, it really boils down to, like you were talking about, that relationship with God. And we need the anointing. Yes. We, that is what makes church church. I mean, the first right. time. The first time I walked into a Pentecostal church, I wept like a baby. And I was that type of person that was so tough. I couldn't show the world that I could cry, you know? Um, 
But when the presence of God, when the anointing is there, all of those walls come down and it's because yes. of our relationship with God. And, and that should work in every area of our life. Yes. Yes. So let's talk about obviously IBC because we've been talking about it on and off, but <laughs> I wanted to know specifically for you while you are working in the ministry and when you have a moment where, you know, you have to get on, get on the platform before you step up to the microphone, how do you prepare for that? So I believe before like any, like, let's just, I mean, like, let's look at live for instance, before any of our live recordings that we do every year, I'm going to, there's two aspects to preparation. There's going to be a spiritual preparation and there's going to be the practical preparation Mm -hmm. and spiritual. I mean, you can't, you can't buy, you can't look over prayer and fasting. It has to happen. I mean, that's, that's the only way that's God's design. That's how it works. Prayer and fasting. You can't, you can't step over it. You can't ignore it. Um, there has to be prayer and fasting and like for something like live, um, we as a group will like IBC praise or corral or choir. We'll do fast days together, but ultimately for someone like myself, who um, is in a part of a small, the small ensemble, the, the front team, the front line, someone who is going to be singing solos on the album. I'm going to be spending a lot of my own personal time and devotion and prayer. It, that's the, mm-hmm. that's the most important thing I believe, but also what's so important is the practical preparation. I don't believe that, you know, 50% of your preparation should be spiritual and 50% practical. It needs to be a hundred percent spiritual and a hundred percent practical. And when I talk about practical, I mean, you know, practicing your parts, knowing, knowing a big thing at IBC, because all of our songs are, are on tracks, which means there's a certain way that we do it every time and it doesn't change. So knowing the sequence and the orders of songs, but also for someone like me, I sing a lot of songs where I'm going to be ad-libbing, which is, which is like, you know, singing over top of the choir or mm-hmm. praise team or singing a verse or, or whatever that may be. And sometimes I have a lot of ad-lib heavy songs and there's an instructor here at IBC, Sister Jessica Giovanni, And she always says, do not make the audience or the congregation your guinea pig to your solos or your ad-libs. She said, always mm-hmm. practice your ad-libs beforehand. And I think that's so important because God honors that God sees your sacrifice and your dedication. And he's going to honor the fact that you, you spent, you know, however much time preparing, not just spiritually, but, you know, making sure your parts are right, making sure you got all those notes and the words in, and you know exactly what you're going to say and exactly what you're going to do. God is going to honor that. I'm not that you're trying to manipulate or, or work up something because of what you say. And you're like, well, God's going to move on, on this word that I say, but God honors that your sacrifice and your dedication. I believe that he honors faithfulness. And so those are two aspects, spiritual and practical and a hundred percent from both sides. You can't just pray and then expect God to make you sound good and and you be perfect. And you can't just, you know, practice your, your part and your solos and then expect God to move. You have to have both a hundred percent on both sides. You need both of them to, um, to succeed, especially at IBC and the music ministry here. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's so intentionally like said, that was so intentionally said. Um, and I, I really think that the way you put that just honestly is just so, um, powerful because 
I think we either talk about one more than the other right, sometimes, right. depending on who you're talking to. And yeah. um, it's just like preaching. I think when the anointing is on you and you're God can move and things can yeah. happen and, yeah. and our structure can change. And, you know, brother Carson has been preaching about that, but yeah. also, you know, we have to make sure we know the scripture, you know, if we're preaching or yeah. you have to, if you're singing, you have to make sure you actually know the words, you know, right. Right. <laughs> like you can't just go up there and be like, I'm just super spiritual. Like no. God will just put the words <laughs> in my heart. Yeah. <laughs> And then you get up there and you're like, why am I not like tingly all over? And I don't have butterflies, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my word. Yes. There's actually, I feel like, so I've taken a lot of like leadership music courses here, like working with Mm -hmm. music teams. And a common question that we always get is, would you rather have a spiritual, like, let's say praise team member talking about a praise team member would you have rather have a praise team member that is super spiritual and never practices or a praise team member that practices all the time Mm. um but is not spiritual and i that question frustrates me because as ministers in the church as people that are sharing this gospel through music both sides should be expected from our teams i mean we are doing the work of the lord and if you can't give a hundred percent on both sides of that spectrum then you Mm -hmm. don't need to be doing it. I believe that you have to give a hundred percent on both sides. I mean, this is for the Lord. It has to be your best. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. And honestly, for those of who are listening and, you know, maybe you're involved in music in your church and you have all of these questions, this advice is perfect because it really is um, the truth. I mean, you have to prepare yourself in a natural sense, in the practical sense, you have to know, the notes you have to know the song and um mm-hmm. we're not robots obviously things happen right. but um <laughs> it's just to you're imputing that knowledge into yourself and i heard somewhere about like creating habits you have to do it a certain amount of time for mm-hmm. it to be a habit mm-hmm. and so <laughs> not a lot of people know this because i don't share this but um i'm part of the choir in my church um mm-hmm. and i've also you know led as well and one of the things that um, our director used to tell me is here's a song, go home and practice it. Just, just sing it. And she would say, sing it with the music, but then turn everything off and try singing it without it. Yeah. Just so that you get the words down and she wanted it to come natural. So then when we're up there, we're not focusing so much on the words because we already know it's already inside of us. Right. Yes. I've always heard um, preparation makes room for the anointing. And when you, you know, know that song by the, like the back of your hand, it allows God to move more freely through you. So you're not, you know, so preoccupied in your mind with what are these words? What's next? What's the next part of the song? If you know it, it's ingrained in you, you know, like that, like it's like so easy, then God can just so much more freely move through you and minister through you. Yeah, for sure. And like we were saying, you know, we can't just expect God to do everything. Like, right, right. We yes. like expect so much from him. And God is like, I've done so much for you. It's your turn. Yes, yes. Put in some effort. <laughs> yeah. Hello. I mean, my arms were like out here, you know. 
I died on a cross. You can put in your practice time. Yeah, I know. You could you can read a little bit more stuff. Um, you can listen to the song a little bit more. Yeah. Well, I and I think that's just our human nature, you know, like yes. have it in us sometimes to just like have all these expectations for like other people or for God. Right. And if we just do the bare minimum and we get by, we're good. And maybe that's me, but <laughs> But when it comes to like, honestly, um, you know, if you have a microphone in your hand, you have a responsibility. Yes. You are supposed to be guiding people to focus on God. And if you're not prepared, whether spiritually or practically, you could hinder the presence of God in a service. Yes. Um, whether you're preaching or, or singing um, and things like that happen because obviously, like I said, we're not robot robots, but right. Um, if you're not taking it serious enough where you don't think you need those things, I think it actually points to a flaw in our character. Yeah. Um, that's something that we need to be careful of. And if somebody calls us out on that, we have to accept it. We really yes. do. And I know that's yeah. a difficult thing to this. We, we just got real serious, but, um, <laughs> But I think it's something that we do need to talk about because I think it's just so easy for us to have all these imaginations in our mind. Like, right. Oh, look at them on the platform. Like we almost idolize being on the platform, but we don't realize what it actually calls for. Right. What right. is required of you when you see sure. somebody on a platform, whether they're singing or preaching, there's a lot of things God is expecting them to do before they yeah. get there. Amen. I felt the anointing just now. No. Praise God. <laughs> so Abigail, if you could give advice to somebody out there who is maybe craving that special anointing um, in their life or while they're serving, what would you just tell them? Well, if you can't tell by now, I'm a pretty black and white, straightforward person. I feel like my answers are pretty like, this is it. You know, I, if I were to nail it down to two things, it would be number one, have a prayer life. I mean, we talked about that. You, you have to have a relationship for there to be any kind of <laughs> anointing, any ounce of God's anointing on your life. You need to have a prayer life. And then number two, show up on time to your practices every Sunday, no matter how hard it is, be on time. And yes. in, in, the broader, in the broader scheme, be, be faithful to what you're doing. And whatever you have your hands to, you know, do your best, do your best at whatever you do, whether it be cleaning, cleaning the toilets or it's leading worship or it's teaching Sunday school or being an usher or being on the greeters team, do your absolute best. And that just kind of falls under being on time. Just, just be faithful. And I mean, I feel like I've said this so many times, but God just honors faithfulness and my family, my life, my story is just. Uh, just an example of that, that God always honors faithfulness. I believe that, um, to, you know, when you are faithful to your local church, God is going to honor that. And when you have that prayer life, when you develop that relationship, God sees that. Amen. I, I love that so much. When you were talking about, uh, you know, the live, uh, album 2020, the victory album came out and that was huge. Like it blew yeah. up and, um, we literally, like I said, we listen to those songs every day. <laughs> I guess I really wanted to ask, what was something that God taught you 
um, as you witnessed these songs that you were singing just change lives? Well, right when we, we recorded that in late January of 2020, and I mean, not a month and a half later, you know what happened. The world went into lockdown. Well, what happened? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? Um, I mean, IBC was dismissed for the rest of the semester. We all went home, which for me is 15 hours away from campus. I mean, it, it was it was a really, really hard time for me. And I was, I just felt, it was just crazy because it's like we made this album and it was like this album of like, freedom and liberty and victory and that was the name of the album and just we believe we were believing God for deliverance and all these things and then not a month later we're all sent home and it seems like you know Mm -hmm. we don't know what's going to happen and and the world has gone crazy and for me it wasn't the songs became just so much more I I sang them at live and and I worshiped with them and I believe the messages of the song but it became so much more to me when I had to go home and I was alone for months and my church was shut down. And I mean, we were all there and I felt like some of the lowest points in my life. Yeah. And those songs weren't just something that I sang, but they became the reality for me. I mean, they were my prayers. God, I'm going to see a victory for my church, even yeah. though we're shut down right now and we can't be together. I'm going to see a victory for my family, for myself in my own life. The words, the words just weren't they weren't just something that I said, they had so much more meaning. And it, it's kind of like God put me on the other side of this album, because it wasn't that I just got to be a part of it. But I got to see the flip side almost immediately that I was the one that was getting ministered to through these songs. And I know they ministered to so many people across the world. But it was it was crazy, because I just think about how he lined it up so perfectly. He, he lined up every single song that was going to be on the album. And it's like he knew. Abigail you're going to need these songs in about three months you don't know what's going to come but these songs are going to become a reality and and whether it's I'm going to see a victory or it's um you know you are powerful God above it all I believe in you I believe in you you do miracles the impossible I believe in you I believe in you those songs weren't just they just weren't songs anymore they were they were real for me and it was it was just God taught me what it's like to be on the other end of what these songs, how these songs can minister to people. And this album, I know for me, especially, it just, it was so much more than music for me, this album. Mm -hmm. And for so many people, I mean, everybody that had to go through that through with our student body, with people in the church that, you know, listen to these albums, these songs became declarations and prayers and uh, reality for me. Yeah. I mean, that's really beautiful how you put that because I never really thought of like the songs being prayers, but that's exactly what they are. And I've, I've caught myself obviously praying specific like lyrics, you know, um, like I'll just be praying and all of a sudden, like, I realize I'm actually like saying a song. Um, And, you know, I don't know about you, but I felt like uh, there was just so much confusion. Yes. Had such structure before. And then it got, got all taken away and changed. Yeah. Um, I think we realized that, uh, there's not much that we can control right? (laughs) Right. and that things can change. And, um, we just have to remember that God is not surprised by anything. Yeah. And I love that 
he really orchestrated that album in such a way that it became such an anthem for the whole year for those of us who needed some hope and we needed something to remind us just how good he really is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So this might be a hard question because it might be like choosing like a favorite child, but... um, (laughs) And I have two, and don't ask me which one's my favorite. Um, (laughs) It's whoever sleeps the longest. No. Um, If you could choose a favorite song that you've ever performed, uh, whether it's on Victory or whether it's for somebody else, just personal to you that has been just your favorite so far, if you could, what song would it be? Like you said, this is so hard. Um, And I feel like like we were talking about the victory album, like some songs come in a season and it's that song, you know, helps you through that season. And you feel like God has given you particular songs for different times. Um, but if I had to pick one, it would probably be it. I never sang it on an album at IBC. Um, I was so honored and privileged to be um, on the youth Congress praise worship team uh, in 2019 and I got to help mm-hmm. lead Your Great Name, which was originally by Todd Delaney, but IBC has actually covered it, but I didn't sing on it at IBC, but um, I just, oh my word, that's like my go-to, you know, Sunday morning song, like if I need a song, I'm like, I'm doing Your Great Name. I just, I love the song so much. It's just about, I mean, it's just about the name of Jesus. You, you really don't need anything else to make the song good, Yeah. but um. Uh, it's just a powerful message. Things change when we call you Jesus. And uh, I love getting to just sing about the power that is in the name of Jesus. And so that one's probably um, my favorite song that I've ever got to perform. It's such a good song. I mean, it's so so good. So good. Oh, man. I mean, it's so bittersweet now that you're a senior, you know, just thinking about just the journey that you've been on. Mm -hmm. and the relationships that you've made, and I'm not going to make you cry, but (laughs) it's just super bittersweet, I am sure. Um, And I just wanted to know if you had any future plans that you're willing to share, like what is going to be next for you, if you know? That's a really good question. Um, And it's definitely like at the front of my mind right now. I mean, I graduate in May, and um I feel like you don't really think about it because you stay so busy here until you become a senior and you're like, oh my word, I'm leaving this bubble that is IBC and I'm going to have to go into the real world. Um, God has opened some doors. I've been in in prayer about it. Um, I'm just wanting to walk through the right one. I'm currently a UF or University of Florida online student. I've been doing it part-time the past four years while I'm at IBC. And then in the summers, I do full-time. And I'm getting a degree in telecommunication. So it's a, a journalism degree um, with the College of Journalism there. And I hope to graduate with my bachelor's next uh, spring. So um, that's definitely going to be in the future. I'm really excited to finish that up. Um, it's also been really cool being at IBC and then getting a biblical foundation alongside of this mm. Um this, you know, secular education. And I get to see both sides of it. It's been crazy. There've been some semesters where I've had a class at IBC that is like the, it's the same kind of idea as a class um, that I'm taking with my secular school. And I get to see like both sides of a situation or an idea or philosophy. Um, So I'm definitely excited to graduate with graduate next spring with UF. Um, I'm just letting the Lord lead me. I have people ask me all the time, 
about writing music. That is definitely something I'd love to pursue in my future. Probably not right now while I'm at IBC because our schedules stay so busy. Um, but I would love one day to write music and be a part of the growing and awesome apostolic um, music world for sure in my future. Well, first of all, the fact that you're doing like two different schools at the same time, you're like a superhero. (laughs) (laughs) But that's so cool. And that's such a great idea too. Um, Just to have that just secular experience and just that degree um, to kind of marry with your spiritual side and you know um yeah I think that's incredible and that just kind of opens more doors for you you never know what's going to happen so that's so super cool well I just wanted to give you just a couple of minutes um I know this is kind of on the spot you don't have to if you don't want to but I just figured I you know whatever the Lord has been placing on your heart recently now that you're a senior and you know you're kind of thinking about just all the things that you've learned. I just wanted to give you some space to kind of share anything that's been on your heart that you have maybe burning inside of you that you wish you could just like blurt out to people, you know, like <laughs> kind of put stuff inside of you and you're, you have this like message or maybe it's advice or insight or whatever. So I'm just going to give you a couple minutes if you don't mind. Is there anything that the Lord's been just putting on your heart recently? Well, um, like I, I was talking about it earlier, we've been talking about the callings that we feel like God has placed on our lives. And we were actually prompted in one of my leadership for music ministry classes to write, this was like two weeks ago, write about what we feel our, our calling is. And I, I just felt like I couldn't, you know, really pinpoint it. I know, you know, music ministry is a huge part of who I, who I am and, and what I do. And God has blessed me um, so much to do what I do. Um, but I just, it came down to, I just want to save souls. And I just want to, I just want to reach lost people. That's what this is all about. And, um, I wrote this paper right before our live recording two weeks ago. And, um, we actually had a student that passed he was a senior and he passed in September tragically in a motorcycle accident. Mm-hmm. And he had a backslidden sister and then a brother, a teenage brother that had never received the gift of the Holy ghost. And they were both at that live recording and God refilled his sister with the Holy ghost and his little brother received the Holy ghost for the first time. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of my focus for this live is, is just for, for people to receive the gift of the Holy ghost for people, for lost souls. And, um, I just, that's just, what's been on my heart recently is just whether it, you know, you may have certain giftings and abilities and God's given you certain things, but don't limit yourself. Everyone's calling the great commission is, is to share the gospel, share this truth. I, I really love that. You know, I think sometimes there's just a lot of foundational stuff that we sometimes forget or we don't really pay much attention to. And I'm not saying that we haven't focused on souls yeah. and I'm not saying yeah. that we're not learning to reach souls, but sometimes it's easy to just, just stay very comfortable where we are. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that 2020 really has showed us is just that we never know what's going to happen yes. and we're not guaranteed tomorrow. 
And so the people that we are just surrounded by, we just have to be sensitive to the Lord. If there's something that we can do to show um, just his goodness and his love and to teach them about who he is. And um, I think that's just a beautiful um, just reminder to all of us that um, all of whatever we're doing um, it's not only to save us and make sure that we are on the right track, but whether we're singing a song or we're preaching, it, yeah. if the Lord has given us anointing or if he just wants us to clean the toilet, it doesn't matter. Like yeah. Yeah. just for his kingdom to yeah. grow his kingdom, to reach lost. And as somebody who yeah. uh, was lost and now I'm found, praise God. If there weren't people like that, I wouldn't be here it kind of goes back to the fruit of the spirit. Like you were talking about the fruits of the spirit. If we have that, the people are going to want what we have. Absolutely. If we don't have the fruit of the spirit, they're not going to want it. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. That was just such an encouragement. And I know that's going to encourage those who are listening. Well, Abigail, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This has been amazing. Incredible. I am so inspired really can you just share with everybody where they can follow you and your journey on social media? Um, well, thank you for having me first off, but if, um, if they were tried to, if they were to try to find me on social media, social media, I feel like the, um, one I'm on the most is Instagram. My username is Abba Hayworth, A B B A H A W O R T H. Um, that's actually a nickname that my baby sister gave me, but that's why it's Abba Hayworth. I'm on Facebook as well, Abigail Hayworth, on Facebook and Twitter under Abigail Hayworth. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Were you inspired by this episode? I hope so. If you were, please take a screenshot of your podcast player and share it on Instagram stories, tagging me at Hello Awesome Live. That's H-E-L-L-O-A-W-E-S-O-M-E-L-I-V-E. It really encourages me to see that you were blessed. Also, do you want a free digital devotional? Leave a five-star review in iTunes and DM me a screenshot of the review with your email address. You'll be gifted a digital devotional of your choice as a thank you. To learn more about Hello Awesome, head to helloawesome.live. That's H-E-L-L-O-A-W-E-S-O-M-E dot L-I-V-E. Until next time, keep your chin up, beautiful.